Kia ora, I'm Andrew Whiteside, and today I'm talking with Douglas Lloyd Jenkins, who is a well-known writer, columnist, and recipient of a New Zealand Order of Merit for his contribution to New Zealand architecture and design. In this interview, we discuss his wonderful debut novel, Shelter. It's a story of 20 years in the life of a gay man navigating his way through love and relationships. Douglas Lloyd Jenkins, kia ora, nice to talk to you this morning. Thank you, lovely to be here. Now, uh, I read the book. Congratulations. I loved it. It took me six hours. I couldn't put it down, which is quite rare for me. Oh, that's great. That's that's really is... I wanted to write something that people would buy on a Saturday morning and have finished out, you know, when they're out shopping and have finished by a Sunday night. So, yeah, well it, the, the, the character's really quite absorbing. And um, I, I prefer plot development over description. And I think you found a really nice balance between them, uh, which worked really well. Um, I want to know, just before we kind of dig into it a bit more, um, this was your first novel. You're obviously a very accomplished writer. You've published a lot, you blog, etc. But this is your debut novel, right? Yeah. How daunting was that? Very, because, you know, the idea of novel is such a big thing. Um, I've always toyed with fiction, but I had this belief that you had to write short stories to write a novel. Right. And um, But there's a there's also a rule in writing, if you don't read it, don't write it. And I don't like short stories. <laughs> and so I was sort of writing bad short stories, or what I thought weren't really good enough short stories. And um, I sat down to, you know, I'll have another go. And then I realised I wasn't writing a short story, and so I actually just let myself relax into it and let it become a novel. I guess in some respects, though, um, a, a chapter represents a short story. You're just carrying the story on from chapter to chapter. Yes, and the frustration I feel with short stories is either that um, you love the characters and then you leave them, mm-hmm. or that nothing happens. <laughs> so for something to happen and for my characters to have a full life, I realised I needed a novel. And uh, and how much of your own experience is in this? Obviously, the the love of architecture, the wandering the streets, etc. But but how much of you is in this book? Do you think? Um, I think that um, non uh, fiction writers are uh, they, you know the, most first novels have a lot of autobiography in them. Especially, I think if you start writing later in life, you've done a lot. And there's a lot to draw on. Um, so, um, look, elements of this are autobiographical. Um, none of the characters are real. Um, yep. You know, uh, yes, I was very fortunate um, as a late teen going to university. I literally had a flat in CBD, but it was the old CBD. Um, but it was very rare to live in town then, so I got to know the feel of the city. Um, we lived in Mount Street, which is where the O'Rourke Halls are, but we were opposite it. In those days, the only place that was open, like, after 8 o'clock was the 24-hour dairy in Ponsonby Road. <laughs> yes. So if you wanted, like, potato chips, you had to trek all the way across the city, and it took, you know, you know an hour at 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and that's what some of the novel's based on. I actually like the generational aspect of it. So you had Gerald, who was uh, obviously born and was coming out, for want of a better t- term, prior to law reform. Then Joe, who was living through it. And finally Drew, each of them having, I guess, a different relationship to uh, their sexual orientation, to uh, to the community, I guess. Was that something you definitely wanted, uh, you deliberately did, to have different views on um, gay men's place in the world? Yes, I, I didn't want to write characters that were so self-obsessed that 
they only communicated in their generation. And um, and so I also wanted Joe to have guidance in life from older people. And he's got Betty, but um, I, I sort of wanted a, a, an older gay man um, who had found a place in life that was sort of, he's a, a nutty character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want, yes, I wanted him to have that conversation about, you know, we didn't behave like this. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was very aware of that. And, and also with Drew, um, I was very aware um, that we have, uh, I've been told it's called the pre-glee and the post-glee generation. <laughs> yeah. And the post-glee generation, they just tell their parents that they're gay. Hmm. from day one and they get on with it and so i wanted a kind of element of that um i've also um, heard so many stories from friends and uh who have got young male children who when their children come out as gay they go oh he had an enormous crush on such and such when he was you know eight so i kind of wanted to write that, yeah, which is a real part of our lives, um, into the story as well. Well, I, I guess Joe is probably my generation because um, I was um, born um, a good time before law reform, but lived through it as, as, as late teens, early twenties, and um, I, I recall characters such as Gerald. And uh, coming out, uh, I, I met a lot of much older men than me, and they almost became the the gay fathers, if you like the advice givers, the people, the, the rock, if, if you like, and gave a different perspective. So it was really nice to see that in the book because I think that reflected a lot of my generation, uh, our experience when we were coming out. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of, you know, what I hoped. And uh, my life has been shaped by much older people um, because I'm a historian, but I'm a historian yes. <laughs> of the recent past. So, you know, I've always been talking to people who lived through the 50s and the 60s. Um, and so... Yeah, it was just lovely to put a character like like that, and his references are unusual. But he's obviously lived his own life. Um, and of all of my characters that are in Shelter, I think Gerald is probably the one we know least about, and he's kind of one of the characters I'm still thinking about. Well, I guess, yes, the, the, that generation, well, some of them definitely had to be very guarded, and so that, that protection carried in beyond law reform because they, because they literally were brought up with having to watch all the time what was going on around them yeah. in case they made yeah. a slip yeah it was dangerous yeah. for them yeah yeah as i say i love the book i loved um the humor in it i loved the um the, the dynamics between all the characters i did get a sense that there is very palpable grief in it as well and uh not only about unrequited love um but also towards the city. And I, and I wonder, um, there has been obviously grief throughout your own life, uh, particularly uh, around Peter's death. I'm wondering, did that influence you in writing this book? Was there a, a sense of wanting to deal with grief or explore grief in it? Um, oh, that's a very interesting question that I haven't really thought about. Um, certainly um, the first version of the book was written um, before Peter died, um, and it hasn't shifted significantly. Um, and I've sort of been lucky in my life, I suppose, that I haven't lost key figures, and indeed I lost my own mother a few months after Peter died. So um, her grief came after the novel. Yeah, that's interesting, I, and I hope it was okay to bring that up. I just, To me, there's, yeah. there's definitely the sense of... 
loss and it, it's it's in the characters but it's also the city is a character in itself as well and there's a great deal of love but grief around the changes in the city i i um <clears throat> how do i put it <laughs> i really like the way you're approaching this because it's really making me think um good <laughs> yes um, there is there is grief and you know um Betty um, is mourning a husband that she thought she was going to travel the world with, and that didn't happen. And we don't, you know, I think there's there is grief in Gerald that we don't really know, and as you say, unrequited love. But yeah, um, I very much wanted to write a book that could be in that key moment of change for Auckland, um, and I do. I do suffer loss for the city and um, I do grieve it. Um, and I sometimes when I'm driving down a street in town, I kind of don't see the street. I see the memories of the street. Mm, yeah, yeah. I see what was there. And, um, you know, and some of my friends I will suddenly go, oh, that used to be such and such. And they go, what's that got to do with anything? Um, so, yeah, there's the sense of the city receding um, out of your, your grasp, um, which was, was uh, intentional. Um, but I also wanted to set certain moments of the book in fragments of the city that remain. Um, that was very important to me. I, I did wonder whether the, the, the city also uh, represented a, a metaphor for how we treat ourselves and our environment and the, the people around us. So this this love of the city, but it's also being torn apart all the time and, and sort of these these new facades, which are all glitz, but they're actually there's no soul in them. Yes. And, you know, there's a moment in the book where Josie's like, you know, uh, in Auckland, uh, I think he says that a good decision is the fastest and the cheapest, and mm. I've avoided that. And you know, we are—we do live in a city where it's like, um, how can we get this done? How can we get it done tomorrow? And and how little will it cost us? Um, and they are not, but they're not loving solutions. <laughs> um, you know, Joe conflates the city and Leo, and you know, Leo in the, it's that moment where Leo says, "This here, I give you it. It's yours." Um, and he conflates those two things, and that's that's where he becomes an individual uh, as a person because he's a bit of a well, you know, he's a he's I don't want to say he's ordinary, but um, it's where he becomes who he's going to become is by realizing that sort of he, by conflating the city and his sense of loving a person. Exactly. There was. Uh, I, I don't uh, like discussing plot too much because I don't like to spoil spoil things. I, I love when I read a book that it's unfolding with with surprises, and yes. and, and there yes. were surprises in the book. But I did have to ask you about uh, the building in Emily Place. And that's all. <laughs> that's all I'll say. I won't say what's related to it, the plot, etc., uh, because it fascinated me. Your description of it is 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 so vivid. I thought, I want to see this building now. Um, I looked on Google um, Maps, the satellite um, image, and there's a damn tree blocking <laughs> the view of the building. So that, that, that address exists. Yes. Have you completely yes. imagined that building, or have you been inside it? Uh, it's, it's imagined. Um, it, 
Maps. Um, it's actually uh, juicy car rentals, and I think there's a Google Maps like internet hole being burnt in their building. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Uh, because everyone here I've spoken to has said, "Look, I've gone to look at it online, and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's got a, um, a part of the outside is a mansion from another building that we've torn down." Um, and um, a big and significant part of the building is totally imagined. Um, what I f- find interesting is that people are saying to me, you know, does that exist? Uh, because they really <laughs> want it to exist. They exactly. really want to believe that mm-hmm. there's something fabulous that we yeah. haven't destroyed. Yeah, well, well, I have to say, when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I have got to visit this building. So um, so there's a spoiler for the book. The building doesn't exist. I'm sorry, anyone who's listening. But read the book because it is wonderful. Um, so, Douglas, congratulations. It is a fantastic book. I think it's having its official launch this weekend. Is that right? Yes, tomorrow yeah. at 6 o'clock. Fantastic. It's part of Same Same but Different, and it's uh, online, so anyone can join in. Well, I highly recommend it. And um, Douglas, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. That was Douglas Lloyd Jenkins talking about his new novel, Shelter. It's one I highly recommend, a very, very good read. Now, on my website, andrewwhiteside.com, you can find plenty more great content, and you can also sign up for my regular newsletters, which are chock full of goodness. I am Andrew Whiteside. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon.